Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hi, and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Aileen. And before we are joined by our guest, just wants to make a quick announcement that starting today, this podcast is only going to be running one time a week on Mondays. I am going on maternity leave. I will be back, guys. I'm not gone forever. We're still going to have episodes. Brittany is still going to be on the episodes that we pre-recorded, but it's just going to be once a week until until we're all back <laughs> yes. because then I'm on leave and it's all yes. whatever. But let's get to the show today. Brittany, who do we have today that we're very excited about? So excited. So today we're joined by founder of By SJ and SoulCycle Senior Master Instructor, Samantha Jade. Welcome, Samantha. Hey, so glad to be here. You're a Senior Master Instructor now, right? It. It goes by master instructor, but I can understand it gets confusing all of the it does. labels and titles at Seoul. But yes, I'm a master instructor there. Yes. I've taken your class before and you're definitely a master. It's like <laughs> I'm a senior the hardest class. It's, it's the hardest <laughs> class ever, but like so much fun and the best workout. Oh, I'm glad you've been there. I love doing it. I've been doing yes. it for eight years. So it's it's a good gig. I and love it. You're also pregnant, right? I am eight months pregnant. <laughs> 33 weeks. <laughs> we count in the weeks. It makes it all seem like it goes faster. Yeah. The days. Yeah. It does. Sort of. <laughs> Not fast enough. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 30 next week, and that is scaring the crap out of me <laughs> I just a milestone in, in the three number and then being like oh my god that's technically could be single digits it scares me <laughs> I was thinking like that too that like when I got to the 30 number and it turned to single digits I'd be like I'm right there mm-hmm. but now that I'm at 33 I'm like can this please go faster <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> are we there yet right but then Ugh. you get to like 37 and you're like, okay, this could actually happen any day now. <laughs> oh so it's like, you're in that last month of like, you know, you're kind of like flying by. <laughs> flying by, swollen feet, big calves. <laughs> oh yeah. Living life. <laughs> is this is your first, this is your first pregnancy? Yes, this is. All right. Well, let's get all into it. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, let's talk about Soul Cycle. First of all, I'm yes. obsessed with Soul Cycle, but I haven't been in forever and I'm depressed. Um <laughs> how did you start at Soul? And how long have you been there? How'd you become senior master? <laughs> <laughs> so I've been with Soul Cycle for the past eight years. Um I had graduated my grad school program for marriage and family therapy, got my master's in that. And I was doing counseling for about two years. And I had just moved into the city the year prior to SoulCycle NoHo opening up. And I was walking around the neighborhood, checking things out. And this studio just popped up on the corner of 4th and Lafayette. And it looked so chic and so cool. 
So I walked in just to see like, what was up? What is this gorgeous looking place that has all of this cool looking merchandise in the window? Like, what is it? And I walked in, they lured me to sign up for a midday class with Senior Master King Instructor Rike. I signed up. I took his class. It was awesome. And it wasn't the kind of workout that made me feel like I was counting the seconds till I was finished. I was like midway through and I was just shook at how much I was enjoying myself that I was like, oh my God, I can breathe and I'm enjoying this and I'm not like waiting for it to end. Like I'm not this like workout crazy pants. It was just, I became a rider. Like I loved it. And I would ride all the time after that for about a year or so. And then I auditioned. I didn't make it the first audition process. I auditioned again. I made it through that audition. And then it's like a whole process after the main riding audition. You do like a verbal interview and then more audition kind of stuff. It's really crazy, the steps in becoming an instructor there, especially years ago. Um, But yeah, so I was the weakest one in my training group, to be honest. I was so bad. I was so shy on the microphone. I couldn't find my voice. And now I was the first to become a master instructor in my training group. So I was a nice success story for my group. It really shows that if you want something bad enough and it's really meant to be for you, you just keep working and hustling at it. You'll shed those layers of anxiety and just find your connection to it. It's, it was a really special relationship with me there and still is. I love it. Couldn't love it more. That's amazing. And you're doing this all through your pregnancy. Are you still on the bike or now you're kind of on the floor? I'm not on the bike anymore, but I've been doing it all throughout my pregnancy. And I was riding up until like six months, but it just didn't feel that comfortable for me. Right. And I also like kind of just like taking it so much easier on myself right Mm -hmm. now. You have to, you have to listen to your body in these situations. Oh yeah. I love saying that, like, listen to your body, but like now more than ever, this is such a time to really just honor exactly where you're at. You have to, um, you also, you suffered a severe back injury during all this. So, um, did you think that you weren't going to be ever be able to work out again or teach again? Yeah, about seven or eight months into my first year of teaching, I hurt my back so badly. I was just overusing my body teaching 20-something classes a week. You say yes to everything when you're so new. I wasn't sleeping enough. I wasn't eating enough. Just overall, like, just wasn't living a very balanced lifestyle. And... I completely blew out my back. I wasn't able to like lift my body up. If I like pretend you're in that bent over position, I couldn't lift myself up from that. And I had to get an emergency spine surgery and couldn't walk for a couple of months. I had to like rehab my body and retrain it to just go to the bathroom or take a shower on my own and 
the doctors definitely didn't think I would ever be back on the bike again, but I was just so patient and just so kind and nurturing to my body that I fully healed and been able to do anything I want ever since. So how long did your entire recovery take? Probably up to a year. Wow. Did that have like a toll on your mental health? Oh yeah. I was just rocked, you know, right from the beginning when they were telling me like, you'll never be back on the bike or they were saying things like that. And I was just having such a hard time interpreting that when really I should have been like, hello, you can barely walk right now. Like, why are you even thinking about the bike? But I was Mm -hmm. just so connected to what I did for a living because it just made me feel so happy. And my happiness was like taken away at that time. I was just so sad, so lonely, so depressed. And you mentally are not prepared for what injury can do to your headspace and your heart, like getting taken out of just life unexpectedly. It's just nothing our head or our heart is ever really prepared for. And that's definitely something that needs to be spoken about more often is yeah, like support for that. Like mm-hmm. I, I wish I had some sort of support group at that time of like, people going through injury and recovery and what that was like. I'm sure. How long ago was that? That was in 2013. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. 2014, maybe. I don't even know what year it is. What are we? 20? Yeah. (laughs) 2021. (laughs) I started with Seoul. It was 2012 to 2013. Then I got hurt 2014. Yeah. Now we're 2021. (laughs) And we're here. (laughs) Beautiful. So were you, when you were ready to get pregnant, were you hesitant because of your, your injury? Like, was there anything holding you back or that made you nervous about it? So I remember a couple of years ago, um, thinking about it, just thinking about my back being my biggest hurdle that like, oh, if I'm holding this weight in the front of me, it's going to be terrible on my back. Like not even terrible. I just don't even know if I'll physically be able to do it. But then along the way within those years, obviously other things happen and the back stuff subsided, like the thought process about it. And I found out I had endometriosis and Hashimoto's disease. So I found out about the endo first and then the Hashimoto's a couple of months later. But I, I had a few different surgeries for cysts regarding the, with the endometriosis. And then obviously the fear of getting older mixed with all of that. I'm 33 right. now. Um, and I found out probably I was 31. So I was just getting back-to-back surgeries for a while for these cysts about three times and then finding out about the Hashimoto's, which is another fertility kind of situation, getting medication for that and figuring out how to balance all of that stuff Mm -hmm. really took over my headspace. Um, Definitely made me a little anxious. What was, um, what were the, like, how did you, 
find out that you had it? Like, what did you go in for to check for that they found first the endometriosis and then the Hashimoto's? Because they're yeah places. So with the endometriosis, I was getting such bad period pain, like everyone really. But since I was in middle school, just like debilitating kind of pain. I remember being so young and going to the doctor, like my pediatrician asking for help with this. And I was just being told over and over, this is so normal. This is everyone. Every female deals with this. Um, I'm like, there's nothing normal about this. It was not even just painful, just like heavy periods, debilitating pain to the point that I was crying. Um, and as I got older, there were different times where I would be in such significant pain that when I would go to the doctor and they would do whatever kind of scans they would do, I think it would be like MRIs, um, they would find cysts and sometimes they would go away on their own. And sometimes they would just get too large to go away on their own. So they would have to go in and surgically remove them. Um, upon doing the first cyst removal surgery, which was about two years ago, they were able to see that like my insides had endometriosis, endometriosis lesions, which is like, kind of like imagine just like brown spray paint on your insides a little bit. So it leaves this different color, different texture, but they didn't have my permission to like take any of it out. And while they're in surgery, they need permission to do any sort of thing like that. So I knew it was going to be an issue that would stick along for a little bit after that. So I had another surgery or two for different cysts that got large enough. And um, at this point, well, before I got pregnant, I started taking birth control to try to like heal it on its own because that's really all they say you can do for it. There's no real treatment, no medication plan, nothing. Um, so either you stick with it or you go on birth control. And I was pretty anti going on birth control, but I was in such pain. And I also really didn't at 31 years old want to go on birth control. I wanted to like think about having babies and keeping my body like so clean from all these medications, kind of yeah. a headspace. But I did what the doctor was supporting me to do at that time. And it really helped a lot. It wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. The birth control did make a significant difference. And for about a couple of months in between me stopping the pill and trying to get pregnant, I had to get a surgery literally a month before my wedding. And I got pregnant a month after that. So it all happened. Oh, wow really quickly. But that first period after I was like, I cannot wait to go back on the pill because you're just reminded how painful and terrible it is. So what did the doctors tell you that, what did they tell you about getting pregnant, that it would be difficult or that these surgeries and birth control would help you? Um, they said for sure that the surgeries would help. The birth control would help because if the endometriosis stays present and getting worse, 
so to say, it's kind of like blocking all of the areas you need to successfully get pregnant. So, so long as that kind of like reaction on your insides is not like exacerbated, it'll be an easier process. So that kept me hopeful and optimistic. And I had to try to stay out of my head and it happened really quickly. We were very, very, very lucky. I had surgery right before. So although that seems very scary because of the timing, it's like that surgery almost like jump starts <laughs> your insides. So that's great. I mean, you were probably relieved that you got pregnant so quickly. You probably were thinking that it might take a while. We couldn't even believe it. We were shocked. I was prepared for it to take much longer. Um, so I just wanted to like get to trying at least to see what was going on. And like at that time frame is when I found out about the Hashimoto's because I would go to the doctor for the surgeries and get my blood taken and my blood tested for all of these things. And they're like, you have pretty severe advanced Hashimoto's disease. Did you know this? And I'm like, how on earth would I know this? They're like, well, the symptoms are like feeling super tired all the time and sluggish. I'm like, who doesn't feel tired and sluggish yeah. all the time? Yeah. <laughs> like, we all can relate to that. So there are these things that like we could possibly all have because we all deal with like terrible period cramps and like feeling tired and sluggish and this and that. And like we could have all been told for God knows how many years that these are normal things for us all to go through, but like they're really not. So getting myself checked out and being more invested in like going to the doctor and getting more tests done was a very big lesson I've learned over the past few years because I found out a lot of things were wrong <laughs> that shouldn't right. Were you were you extra anxious when you got pregnant? Like now you're like, oh, you're on high alert of things could be you know, not as they, not as amazing as they seem. So like there's that anxiety. Yeah. Super worried. I mean, I was so excited when I found out that I did not want to keep it a secret for like the first 12 weeks or whatever the normal time frame is that people keep it to themselves. I was like telling anyone that would listen. I didn't care about anything because I was like anything that I may or may not go through. I want a support system around me because I know what it's like to feel so alone and scared. So I wanted people to know and be present with me for my journey. So I was very open. I think I announced it at like six weeks. And I kind That's of- very early. Very early. And I got a little backlash about it. Like so random people would write me like, don't you worry about like an evil eye? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like, God forbid a million times something does happen. Like, I'm going to need the support of everyone around me. And this is how I have to handle it. So there's that. I was also Amazoning like the at-home baby Doppler kind of thing listening for the heartbeat like every other <laughs> night. And if I didn't hear it, like if I couldn't find it, I would like, like, oh my God, freaking out. But I can understand for a lot of people how that kind of stuff would cause more anxiety, but I needed to feel 
like I could do as much as I can to like be present and aware. Even still, when I go to the doctor, I'm like, are there any tests like I need still? Like, did I do the whooping cough vaccine yet? Like, am I good? So. I just realized I didn't get the whooping cough vaccine. Maybe that's something I need to do. (laughs) I I literally asked her about it last week. She's like, you're right. We didn't do that one yet. That's what I'm going for next Thursday, TDAT. Yeah. Your arm's going to hurt. I hear, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) You do what we got to do. But you (laughs) know what? I think it's... I think it's great that you opened, like everybody's different. And I feel like we've had the alien and I have had this conversation before about, you know, waiting until that 12 or 13 week mark. Um, But if that doesn't work for you and like that doesn't like it's the opposite of comfort for you, then why, like, why do you have to conform to what people are saying is like the right thing to do? Like you wanted people to know. And if God forbid something happened, you wanted everybody to support you. Mm -hmm. So it makes total sense. It wasn't even just a thought in my head. I needed to be open about it. Wow. That's amazing. I can't relate to that. <laughs> but that's amazing. <laughs> I was like so, so nervous to tell a soul except my family. I don't like it was just the more I put it out there, the more I was like scared something was going to happen. So literally, oh. I commend you. That's like amazing. You know what you need. And you and I commend you, you received I it. Know how you kept a secret for that long. Like that's some strength. No, it was difficult. It's like hard to find like uh, the doctor that you want without telling anyone. And, you know, going I had like a very challenging first trimester, too. So I was like puking in between meetings. It was hard. But again, power to you. I commend you. (laughs) Also, like with having to soul cycle and show up on my app all the time for workouts, like I had a rough first trimester. I was so sick. And felt like shit, looked like shit. And I just need, I just needed to be honest about it because I I couldn't keep it in. I'm like, these are my people. They're like mm-hmm. watching me and with me every single day of the week. Like I want to be in this with them. So. No, that's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is there any advice that you would give to somebody that's also like going through this, like the endometriosis or Hashimoto's and how you kind of got through it? Because I'm sure that could affect you mentally as well. Yeah, I think just if you're finding out or in the midst of thinking something could be wrong, like go to the doctor, stop sitting with it. If you don't like the doctor, go to a new doctor. You really got to find someone you connect with. My doctors are like family at this point to me. They're not just offices I walk into. And I just have such trusting relationships with them and things I wouldn't have been open to, like taking medications and this and that. Like I tried diets. I've tried the holistic way of doing certain things, but as much as I wanted certain things to work, it wasn't working for me and I needed different kind of help. And I had a support system that I believed in with my doctors, with my family. And I listened, I tried it out and I'm on the other side of it exactly where I wanted to be. So not only did I get myself to a healthier place, but 
I got myself to a healthier place mentally and physically to be able to carry a pregnancy, which is like my dream come true. And you have to be your healthiest, like best self to be able to raise a little human inside you, you know? Right. So that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Well, thank you for sharing that. All right. And now it is time for No Mom Guilt presented by Heineken Zero Zero. It's not just another non-alcoholic beer. It's an alcohol-free beer. This podcast is all about being honest and real about life as a mom. We're also not interested in mom guilt. We all do stuff that we're worried others will judge us for, but you don't need to feel guilty for any of the shit you do as a mom. So Sam, Samantha, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we hate like this whole guilting mom's culture. Um, So we're trying to take it back by sharing stories in which we felt guilty about something, but then kind of talk about why and why we shouldn't feel guilty about them or just sharing like a win in which like we were just, you know, just it's a win of some of of sorts having to do this. So do you have uh, a story or an anecdote to share? Well, you'll tell me if this is if this falls under the mom guilt kind of category, because this whole idea of mom guilt is so new to me that I know typical things like talking about breastfeeding versus bottle feeding could be like so easy to fall into those categories. And my God, I definitely have that. But the the boundaries I want to set I feel guilty already. Like the only thing that makes me anxious at this point is thinking about when I give birth about how, how I'm going to set these boundaries with family because I'm very private in my at home life. I like a lot of space and my family is so good with accepting and understanding my boundaries. Like they won't even get me baby gifts without me telling them exactly what I want. (laughs) We're not going to like get it unless you tell us that's exactly what you want. And I'm like, I love that about you guys. (laughs) But my husband's family, that's his family. And I'm feeling guilty already thinking, how am I going to set the boundaries of, I want to feel that if everyone wants to come over to meet the baby, that it could be on my terms. Like I'm still nervous with COVID stuff and people in and out of the apartment. And I am really freaked out about all of that stuff. Still, it's an infant, it's a baby. And like, I'm growing it in my belly for the past God knows how many days, weeks, months already. I mean, you ladies know, obviously. And then Mm -hmm. it comes out of you. I'm already nervous for that feeling of like having to share this little babe with everyone. I think that's such a natural feeling. And even coming on my second child, I have the same concerns. Like I don't want anybody around my child who hasn't been vaccinated. And I don't want anybody to, you know, be offended by that. But like, the truth is, you're right. Like you've been growing this child and you make the rules, you make the boundaries. And 
you tell your family, like, look, like I'm not having 20 people in the, we live in an apartment. Like we're not, in a, we're not yeah. an outside or in a house. Like you need to listen to what I have to say. And if you don't like that, then I'm sorry. And it is up to the mother. I mean, of course, like as a couple, you want to discuss it as well, but really like as a mother, you're carrying this child for 10 months. Yeah. You have say for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Like I look at my husband and I was just laughing last night. I was like, maybe I'm being hormonal and crazy, but like, I don't understand sometimes how husbands get so much of an equal say when we're doing all the heavy lifting. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) I'm like, you guys shouldn't even have like a say in what the name is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's really funny. I do. I do appreciate you bringing up like boundaries and then also the guilt around that because we still have this like need to please people around us, even though it's like this child that is yours and you birthed it. Um, But I do feel like a Brittany, correct me if I'm wrong about what I think is going to happen. But when it comes out, it just sort of clicks and you don't really care as much. You're just you prioritize that child above like what an in-law thinks yeah that I mean that's definitely what happens like there's always situations we know there's a lot of you know mental health issues out there that you might feel differently but like yes in a normal circumstance you do feel like okay it is my my now my purpose on earth is to take care of this child and I don't give a fuck what anybody's gonna tell me and so that is the truth yeah. I literally think about the things down to if someone's wearing perfume and wants to hold the baby, like my skin starts crawling thinking about like perfume being near the baby. Things like that are <laughs> what keeps me up at night. <laughs> oh my God. It's very, very detail oriented. It's very specific. What are other, what are, yeah. I just, I, out of curiosity, what are other, the other boundaries that you're considering or worried about? Yeah. It's, like the time frame of like people wanting to come over and stay over because like I'm like good on like a visit for an hour like you know yeah but family sometimes likes to turn it into dinner what are we ordering for dinner yeah I'm like what do you mean what are we ordering <laughs> like <laughs> I'm going to take a, na- a nap maybe a little shower and I want to be alone with l- the little babe but so I'm definitely worried about that stuff. Um, and back to what I originally said about the breastfeeding versus bottle feeding kind of situation. I never knew how big of a thing this was until I got pregnant. And it became the thing that like everyone asks you about and talks to you about and judges you about. I had no idea. And it's become the craziest thing. And my mother-in-law, who's like the sweetest person on the planet, like only means well. And she raised my husband, who's like the greatest guy in the world. Um, she like really strongly believes in breastfeeding. And um, a lot of people do. And I obviously want to try and see that it is the best fit for me and my baby. Right. Um So I don't like putting pressure on myself about it because I want to see whatever works, but just knowing that the judgment, it could already be out there in such a close 
zone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is scary because I also don't want to disappoint anyone either. So I start to feel guilty. Like, what if it doesn't work? You know, yeah. but then I'm brought down to the idea of like the baby being fed is the most important thing. And like 100%. watching what my friends are going through with, how do you say it? You definitely know the mastitis. 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 Yeah. Oh my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> Knock on wood, I never got it. But oh, I mean, lucky girl. But I hear it's, I mean, you get sick. Nursing is hard. And look, you need to do, you can't feel guilty if you're not going to meet someone else's expectations for nursing. Like you need, again, you need to do what's best for you. If nursing isn't working, you get formula. I definitely want to try it because I think it's something that I would enjoy doing. Yeah. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But then connecting the two things, like the boundaries with yeah. the breastfeeding, like mm-hmm. what if I have to breastfeed and family is over? You go into the room and you say, hey, I'm going to go into the, actually, to be honest with you, it works out really well because when there's people in your house <laughs> that you go. don't want to be around, you're like, oh my God, he has to eat. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I need like a half hour in the room. I, like, need, I need two hours. <laughs> yeah. Like if I don't, if I don't see you before you leave, like, thank you so much for coming. And oh. it's such a great outlet, actually. <laughs> I love that. Gotta go. <laughs> But yeah, that's definitely a good idea just to escape into the other room. But I'm just like hoping no one's going to be trying to come in there and like watch like it's a show because I'm a little more private. No, I don't think people tell people to leave. Yeah. (laughs) Just be like, I'm sorry. I don't feel comfortable. I think people understand. Nobody's going to be like, I must watch you. (laughs) Let me see. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about that. Get a Um, But. That's great. But thank you so much for sharing your mom guilt. I think that's important. It's important for us to be vulnerable about it because I think that totally. we break. Those are the, the things that keep me up at night lately. The guilt cycles for sure. Um, and yeah. breastfeeding is so much more challenging than just the expectations of doing it. I have a friend that was like, I like, she's like bre- people who breastfeed need as much support as people who use formula. It's all very, very challenging physically, emotionally, all of it. And people can't just expect us to just do one because that's just what we're expected to do. It's like, I don't, I keep don't hearing feel, that yeah. the fourth trimester is the hardest part. And here yeah. I'm like, let's get this baby out of me. And I know you guys feel the same way, but it's, I don't even know what at all to expect, but I just can't, hope I feel a lot of support around me. You will. You will. You're going to do great. And you know what? <laughs> yes, the, the guilt keeps me up. <laughs> you're going to be fine. And it's the fourth trimester. Yeah, it's totally ta- challenging. But you like have this cute little baby to look at all the time. So it's like easy when, when you look at the baby. Do you know <laughs> what you guys are having? I'm having a boy. Yeah, and I'm Aww. having a girl. How about you? Aww, girl. Oh, so exciting thank you again Sam for sharing we appreciate your vulnerability and thank you to Heineken 00 you know when you really want to enjoy that happy hour but also really want to get that quick workout in with Heineken 00 you can guarantee you'll crush that workout it's not just another non-alcoholic beer it's an alcohol free beer the brewers at Heineken have very kindly removed the alcohol and potential regret but kept all the good stuff so it still has the taste you love 
Now you can enjoy a cold one whenever you want and actually raise the chances of you making it through that workout. And did we mention it's only 69 calories? So get ready to sweat and give it a try. Pick up a pack of Heineken Zero Zero at your local retailer or get it delivered to your door. Must be 21 or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. How can people follow you? Um, find by SJ, which is something we didn't even talk about. If you want to briefly share that and when you come back, if you're going to do Soul Cycle again, please share. Yeah. So everyone could always find me on Instagram at SJADENYC, of course, um, but also at Soul Cycle. And I'll be back in October teaching classes in NoHo and East 83rd Street. And also, my app is in the App Store under Buy SJ. And it's just at-home workouts, full body, head-to-toe, mind, heart, soul. I just never found a place that made me feel comfortable and safe. I felt like everywhere I went to was just like filled with pressure and anxieties. And I didn't want that. I wanted it to be a space for everyone to feel really good about where they're at in the form that their body is in and where their head and their heart is in and at. And it's just a healing kind of workout. So it's a Pilates-based form on the floor workout that you could do anytime, anywhere. And there's, I think, two weeks free when you sign up. So would love for people nice. to check it out and let me know what you think. Yeah, ch- everyone should ch- definitely check it out. It sounds amazing. Sounds great. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for joining us. Good luck. Thank you. Everything. Yes. Your feet as well. I hope they feel better. (laughs) Um, And that is it for this episode of Betcha's Moms Podcast. Just a reminder again, if you missed it in the beginning, that episodes from now on will be once a week on Mondays. Brittany's on maternity leave, but she will be on the episodes. We pre recorded a bunch. Um, So keep listening, but just know that there's no Wednesday episode. Just for just temporarily. We'll be back, guys. We love you. We'll, we'll be, be back. back. Yes. And don't forget to go rate, review, subscribe. Just rate the uh, the show, please. If you love it, we really appreciate it. We need it. Um, subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Apple. I think it's the other way around. Actually, you follow on Spotify and you subscribe on Apple and follow us at Betches Moms. I'm at Aileen. Brittany's effort rich. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Please stop talking. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.